Blog Talk Radio. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Born to Talk Radio Show. I'm your host, Marsha Waiteka. Conversations plus connections equals community. Those are my three C's. The heart of my show is what's your story? It's my belief we all have stories. Some are similar, others are uniquely different. Storytelling brings the passions of my guests to life through our conversations. So be prepared to be entertained, informed, and inspired. Welcome to today's show. Well, hello, everybody. And must I must tell you, you are in for a treat. My guest today is Marissa Peer, and she is the creator of Rapid Transformational Therapy and also a best-selling author. She's written five books. And if that's not enough, she will be on stage next month at the Best You Expo 2020 in Los Angeles. How are you today, Marissa? I'm fabulous. Thank you for asking me. I'm I'm glad you're fabulous. And in fact, I know you're fabulous because I have come to know quite a bit about you, and I am thrilled to be able to share. What's so important about you and what you do and why you do it with my listeners. But before we get into what I call the meat and potatoes of the show, I think it's just great. Uh, I love to start my shows out by saying, you know, who are you? Tell us a little bit about yourself so that we can get a glimpse into you. So would you mind just sharing a little bit about yourself with our audience? No, I've been a therapist for over 30 years. I always wanted to go into the field of helping people. My father was a great people helper. But I wanted to find a fast way. And so as a therapist, I I found out very quickly that a lot of therapy is very long. And when people are in pain, for me, it's no different to turning up at ER saying I'm in pain because I've hurt myself, to turning up and saying I'm in pain because nobody loves me. And my job was to get rid of that pain really in that session. And so I created my own brand of therapy called RTP, Rapid Transformational Therapy, to rapidly fix people in a much faster way than conventional therapy would do for getting outstanding results that lasted. And that was my motivation. And and I actually managed to do it. And it's now I've got 4,000 people have trained in my method all over the world. And it's the most rewarding, the best career ever. I love it. And I'm, I love sharing it, too. That's really that's that's really sensational. And for those of you listening, you might detect um, an accent. So, Marissa, you don't just live here in the Los Angeles area. Do you also live in the UK as well? Yes, yeah, split my time. I, I have a dream life now. I split my time between London and LA because most of the schools I teach are in London and LA and Miami and Europe but we teach the majority of people here in Los Angeles to be an RTT therapist and in London but they come in from all over the world that's that's terrific you you know you you said it really beautifully you said it's a dream job and as as we take this journey together because I at the end of every show I say to myself what was my takeaway what what did I get from the, what this guest message was is about and her story is about and I just I'm, I so admire what it is you do and why you do it. it it's 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 a gift to humanity and and I'm just really thrilled about that and I understand that there's a really big event coming up here in Los Angeles next month on the 20th and 21st of March, the Best You Expo 2020. And it's founded by your friend, Bernardo Moya, who, as it it turns out, Bernardo, who's also an author like yourself, he's going to be on my show just before that expo gets started. So on March the 2nd, Bernardo will be joining me. And he will be really talking a lot about the expo. But since you're beating him to the to the punch on this, I thought you could just briefly um, just tell us what is the focus of this expo. Well, expo is an, an like an exhibition, if you like, more like a conference of various speakers who are really good at what they do and have a message and can help the audience. So I find people go and listen to speakers, and some speakers are great. God, that was a great story, but it was just a story. 
And other people go and say, wow, that speaker, they changed me from the stage. They gave me something. I learned something. And so I think Bernardo has made a huge effort to get speakers that can actually bring about a transformation in the audience because that's what you want. You want someone to have truly been able to help you in the most incredible way. And Expo is about finding the very best speakers to help change people. So it's super exciting that he's bringing it to Los Angeles. I mean, I know the speakers are from all over the world. I, I spoke at the one in London last year, and it was packed. People were standing in the corridor to listen. But um, I, I believe they have more space in L.A. So it's a conference on, on wellness and being the best you. That's why it's called the Best You Expo. I think we all want to be the best versions of ourselves we can be. But if you don't know how, it's just a word. It's like saying love yourself. But if you don't know how to do that, how does it, it's like saying be at peace unless someone can teach you the specific quantifiable way of finding inner peace or being in love with yourself or living your very best life. It becomes a bit of a throwaway word. I would agree, and and the other thing is, and and I think that for me personally in my journey right now, um, some words that are very significant to me besides the words we're going to be talking about with you in a little while is that mindfulness or the other word is awareness. You might not have even considered you, I don't mean you personally, but those of you that may be listening, you may never even have considered what it even means to be the best you. You have to set your intentions if indeed that's something that you would choose to do. Maybe you're very satisfied and happy with your life, and then you get a, yeah, but, yeah, but, now that you mention it, I wonder what I could do to be even a better me. And um, and we're going to be talking about that. So I think that that's really classically important. Some people have always been on a journey of, of um, finding out who they are and why they are and what makes them do what they do. Sometimes life events throw us right into that with expect, expectation, maybe without expectations. So in this particular um, uh, expo, uh, what will your role be? Will you be one of the featured speakers, I would presume? Yes, I'm one of the featured speakers, and I'm going to be showing people. Again, I don't speak from the stage. I like to change people. My USP, if there is such a thing, is changing people from the stage in, in five minutes, giving them particular techniques so that they know that they're enough. And, and as a therapist of 30 years standing, I realized very quickly on in my career that all my clients had the same problems, whether they were a CEO, an Olympic athlete, or a movie star to someone who perhaps worked as a school teacher, they all had the same issues. And so when you realize that we've all got the same problems and fix those problems rather than the presenting of the presenting problems, you know, I'm, I'm 10 pounds too weight, I binge on sugar, I, I self-destruct, I, I'm sabotaging myself all the time, I can't find love. That's not the real problem. The real problem is always what I call what? lies beneath and what lies beneath all of those issues and addictions too is the same thing I'm not enough I'm different so I can't connect what I want so desperately like being free from depression for instance is not available to me and if you hone in on those three things and fix them then you fix everything some people come to me I, I tend to treat the whole audience and go look let's just get rid of these three things because there isn't anything else. That is the problem for everybody. I mean, of course, if you live in, in absolute poverty, they're having food to eat. But in the modern Western world, there are only really those three problems. And fixing and those for the whole room is a joy. Yes. Well, and would you repeat those three problems again? Because I would Absolutely. like you to be. So what are those three problems? The big one is I'm not enough. You know, I've, I've worked with thousands of addicts I've never met one ever who believed they're enough so I'm not enough is behind binging hoarding excessive drinking shopping eating it's behind so many things not finding love sabotaging yourself and that's the big one I'm not enough the good news is it's it's incredibly easy to fix because no one is born with that belief no baby says I won't cry because I don't I'm not worth attention 
I won't ask for anything because I don't deserve it. The second one is this belief of I'm different so I can't connect. And we forget that we are we have tribal minds in very modern bodies. And in a tribe, everybody looks like you. You were connected just by dint of your coloring. And we had this great connection. And now we live in a world where we're multicultural. We can spend all day working at home, get Amazon to deliver our groceries. And we, we are failing to connect. And this disconnection epidemic is behind so much depression, so much anxiety. Um, and yet the truth is everyone fears being different. And if you think you are different, and that is the bane of your life, the very fact that you think you're different actually makes you the same as everybody else because mm. it is our greatest fear. Because when we were tribes people, what made us survive was being the same, not being different. And we're wired to find connection and avoid rejection. And if you feel different, you'll find rejection and not connection, but we can fix that. And the third one is is very interesting. It's this belief that I want something, but I know it's not available. I want love, but my dad left when I was two, so I'm not worthy of love. I want to be happy, but my mum and my auntie have the depressed gene. I want success, but no one in my family went to college. And so we have this block I want wealth, it's not available. I want health, it's not available. I want love, it's not available. And trying to fix that at the surface is like mowing your lawn and wondering why the weeds came back because you just didn't (laughs) go to the root level. Mm -hmm. So what lies beneath is not available. People get so frustrated. They go to the gym, they buy courses, they sign up to a dating site or they take supplements. But if you have a belief that it's not available to me, then you'll be a bit like Whitney Houston and indeed Amy Winehouse and indeed Michael Jackson and George Michael who found success but still sabotaged it because they never removed the underlying belief, I'm not worth it, I don't deserve it, I shouldn't really have all of this. And if you have that belief, you'll get rid of everything, including your own Mm -hmm. health and well-being. That's that is so well stated and I hope that that everyone that's listening perhaps you'll come back and take some notes about this. I I will certainly be directing people to your website, but it's really wonderful to hear you say that. It it makes me think about the term that I recall hearing a very long time ago called self-talk, where your self-talk is just like you just want to shut it down and say shh you're not helping me right now. You know, if if if, if your self-talk is going to, to take you down, then you don't want to hear it. And I, I really like the fact that you explained, I'm not enough. I'm different, so I can't connect. I want something, but it's not available. Those are really key things. And is this sort of the basis and behind your RTT, your transformational therapy, RAPID, which I think is really a key term? Is that, well, I, is I've that trained 4,000 people. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. one of the reasons RTT is so effective with all the people I've trained all over the world who are getting the results I get is that when somebody comes in and says, you know, I binge on cakes or I always attract losers, they don't spend a lot of time working on what I call the presenting symptom. They go right to the cause. And because it can only ever be one of those three things, they will work on fixing those. And when you fix the core issue, everything else is fixed. So many people will say, mm-hmm. you know, I didn't ever really think I could find love. But not only have I found love, I've got a promotion at work. I've dropped 20 pounds. And I'm just happy because this inner belief that was blocking me is gone. I mean, even money, people don't recognize how much they have wealth blocks. If you believe that money is not available, you'll always get rid of it. That's why 70% of lottery winners end up dead broke within often three years. People say, well, surely people wouldn't reject love. Well, if you've never had love, it can make you feel so vulnerable being that dependent on another person. You actually will reject it. You'll sabotage it. But when you think, well, of course love's available, why would it not be? I, I was created by somebody, the universe, who wanted me to be here, and I can find love and keep it. 
then it's a game changer. So I think the success is very much in that we don't spend hours and hours crawling through lists of symptoms because that would take forever. Let's treat the drinking, then the smoking, then the sabotage, then the destructive behavior, then the bad temper, then the headaches. We don't do that. We go straight for those three core issues and fix them. And it really does fix everything. I mean, people write to me and say, who would have thought those three words, I am enough, would have changed my entire life? But they really have. And that's such a wonderful thing to witness and get feedback on. I'm sure that's true. I I I, I am totally convinced of that. What What is the history behind this pioneering therapy that you've started? How How, how did this get started and what what's your mission oh well my mission has always been to simplify therapy and make it available to everybody not just people who can afford it or people who can turn up every friday at four o'clock and do talk therapy i wanted it to be available to small children to everybody and so it was really when i worked with my own clients over a 30-year period they would tell me you know that one thing you did well that was a game changer that one thing you said was the thing that totally set me free. And so I began to notice how my clients would comment on certain things that I was creating and come back and go, wow, that was just amazing. And then I gave my program to a lot of the schools who came back and said, you know, this, what we've been doing is actually minimizing bullying in the school. And so then I realized that I really should share it. Although at the time I wasn't, really thinking about training people because I thought, wow, that's going to be so complicated in putting a course together. People would ask me over and over again, who do you know in Manchester or Arkansas or Texas that does what you do? And the answer was, I don't know anyone because I created my very own method. And I always remember Wayne Dyer saying, do not die with your music playing inside you. And that was very significant for me and I thought yes I, I, this is a, my living legacy I, I have to share that I was thinking you know imagine if Frank Sinatra was a plumber or Barbara Streisand <laughs> was a nail technician what a waste of the entire world if you're given a gift of any sort you have an obligation to share that gift and so I think being a good therapist was a gift that was bestowed mm-hmm. upon me and I felt I must show other people how easy this is and also a lot of therapists would come to me and go, I'm burnt out. You know, I hear all these problems all day and the clients come in every week and after four years, they're still coming in with the same phobia, the same fear. And it really came home to me when a, a psychiatrist sent me his client who was absolutely suicidal and I took her back to the fact that she, all her problems, she was a binger, she was a hoarder. I said, you just don't feel enough. All of the things you're describing, hoarding, spending that's that's not the problem the problem is you don't think you're enough and I fixed that he says I don't understand I've been working with this girl for seven years so I said well look we're both trained in the same method but differently the common denominator of everybody's emotional issue is this they don't think they're enough why don't you work on that you could do what I do and start there and he said no 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 no. that's my job is to look for the medical reason and even though he hmm. said that to me, most doctors are honest will tell you that this this thing about let's um, treat you for the chemical imbalance in your brain that's causing depression, that isn't a flawed study. It's a study that doesn't exist. You cannot put electrodes on someone's head and find a chemical imbalance. And in fact, that was invented by a drug company. People go, yeah, I've, I've got the <laughs> chemical imbalance. I'm now on Prozac. And one of my clients said to me, you know, I went on Prozac because I couldn't have sex with my husband because I was so depressed. And now I'm still depressed. I still don't have sex with him. You know what? I don't care because I'm just numb. <laughs> and I thought that's so wrong that she's got the same feeling she God. went to him with, but she's just so drugged up she doesn't care. Oh. And I've got so many yes. people off medication. And it isn't really that I do it. I show them how to do it. And... And so many doctors now train in our method, doctors, nurses, mental health workers. We've had a few amazing MDs who've actually left the profession and said, you know, I I just wanted to help people and I can't help them. We've had 
law enforcement officers train in our method and say, you know, it's really helping me deal with the people we're arresting on a daily basis to see what's really going on beneath them. So it's just so amazing for me. It's like a dream come true that all over the world we have people using our TT from school teachers to mental health workers to police officers and saying, wow, it is the missing piece. It's the piece that gets results. When did you start this? I'm just curious how long this has been in existence. Oh, so I started um, being a therapist in 1984. Right. And then I, I, so that was a long time ago, but it was, <laughs> and it's always been the best job in the world for me. And then I wrote books and I was speaking at events. And then I began to realize that I must train other people, but only because I have a wonderful husband. And he kept saying to me, darling, you've got to teach us. I said, I can't. Can you imagine the workload in writing a course, writing the work? He said, I'll do everything. You just turn up and I'll do everything. And true to his word, he did everything. He organized the events. He did the advertising. He did the workbooks. Mm -hmm. And I just turned up. And we put our first one on in 2015. And here we are in 2020, and we've won, we won 14 awards for the best school, the best product, even the best pharmaceutical product, which is interesting because we don't have a pharmaceutical product. But they said, no, 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 you deserve that because of the effect you're having on depression. We work a lot with infertility. So we're having a lot of people in the medical world now come to us and say, for instance, a hospital in New Zealand said to me, can you make an audio for people who are scared of needles? I'm like, absolutely. A fertility clinic in London said, could you make an audio for people to listen when they're having the embryo transfer and the egg collection? Because part of our TT is something called neuroplasticity, which means that as the mind hears words, it creates responses. I mean, people say, how could that be? Well, that's what an erection is. That's what it is when you look at Abbott for food and think, oh, I'm so hungry now. So we've mm -hmm. got this branch of RTT. We are getting physical results with eczema, asthma, dermatitis, migraines, depression, but also infertility and secondary infertility. And it's so exciting and, and deeply rewarding too. I can imagine. And this does sound much different than other typical forms of therapy, uh, I, I, right? I mean, they're they're really your your approach is sounds like it's much much more solution based. Like by by starting off by determining number one those three principles um, of recognizing where those core issues are and then going straight to the core issues. Is that right? Yes, because you see, without wishing to diminish any therapist, because therapists right. have a good heart, they all go into a business wanting to help. But the therapy model is peculiar. It says, turn up with your pain and we'll discuss it. No dentist says, turn up with your root canal and we'll talk about the infection. No doctor says, turn up with your chronic migraine or your broken arm or your heart problems and we'll discuss it. And I've never quite understood that model that people in pain should talk about it because if you're in pain, you want to get better. But, but there's a second thing, which is called Hebb's principle, which says that if you keep talking about your pain over and over and over again, it actually makes it worse. It's like people who talk about what it's like to be abused. You should talk about that and get better, but not for years and years because you have to move on. I mean, I work with a lot of people to have a great relationship. One of the keys to have a great relationship is you cannot go and go, yeah, well, five years ago, you know, you emptied out the bank account. Seven years ago, you had an affair. Because if you make your relationship a history lesson, you never move forwards. And so I was always perplexed by that model of therapy. Let's go back. Because to be happy, you have to let the past go, be really grateful for the present and have great expectations for the future. But how can you let the past go when you discuss it every week for hours on end? And then a lot of my clients with children, you know, I take my kids to therapy and they think we're going to discuss what's wrong with them. And they're really resistant and they act up. And, and recently I worked with someone who'd adopted a little boy, I think he was about six, and said, you know, I've stopped going to therapy because 
he just felt we were going to just go us all his faults and I put him through your in, I'm enough program. He's a different kid. All the foster care systems should be using this because what I do builds up people's self esteem and it isn't that therapy diminishes it, but some people think, oh, I've got to go for therapy because there's something wrong with me. I mean, in Japan, for instance, people don't like to go for therapy because it says there's something wrong. We know that a lot of policemen say, I don't want to see a counselor because people think I'm weak. And so I was always trying to make it just so accessible and so normal, but, but also fast because getting better shouldn't be long. It should be fast. And I would imagine... The sooner you start feeling better about yourself and you change the script in your own head, um, things start to happen. I know just from our conversation a week or so ago and listening to your meditation, which we're going to talk about, um, it's like, whoa, I, wow, that just happened. You know, so many of us, I, I will, no, I won't say so many of us, I will just speak for me. I can't speak for the so many, but I spend a great deal of time in my day face-planted in front of a screen. Now, clearly, I'm a broadcaster. I have to promote my show. I, I, I take what I do very seriously. I want to do my very best for whoever my guest is. And I want to have it be something that people walk away with going, whoa, I learned something, or oh, wow, I was inspired, or I'd like to be a volunteer here, or whatever that might be. I think that what you're doing is a gift. That That's really how I see it. And I'm really hoping I'm going to be able to, to join you on next month to hear you speak in person. But I think that when you when you offer somebody that's, Sort of, you know, my myself as an example. I mean, I was, I was married. I was my husband and I were together for forty years, and he dropped dead. Now, you know, that wasn't something to plan for, and I didn't expect it, and it it was totally unexpected for both of us, and um, and people would look to me, and it's like, well, how. I don't understand. How did you how did you manage? How did you cope? What did you do? What were you saying to yourself? Blah 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 blah. And and I said, you know, I can only speak for myself when I say this. My husband was an engineer. Engineers have a very logical way of approaching life. That's just the way they were trained. It's just in their DNA. It's just how he was. And he lived by this motto, it is what it is. And I would always be that other person that would want to put a comma there, not a period, and say, well, yeah, but. And he said, "Uh uh-uh, no, no. It is what it is. There is no comma. It's a period. You have to adapt. And, you know, when you live with somebody with that mindset, you can either be argumentative and say, well, no, it's not, or you can say, hmm, Maybe he's got something there. And when he did pass so unexpectedly at 62 years old, and it will be 11 years in just a few weeks, I adapted. What was I supposed to do? He, he's, not, he's not fixing dinner tomorrow night, and we're not going to the ball game because he is, has left this present earth that we are sharing together for 40 years. And, you know, not everybody can do that. And I I don't regret not visiting all those grief stages because for me I didn't I choose I chose to not want that, but when somebody is really struggling, it is so wonderful to know that people, the four thousand people that have been trained all over the world, can help somebody that needs a cheerleader. That's that you know somebody that can say I can help you, that I can help you struggle with with what it is you're doing the hoarding the 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 migraines the infertility whatever those those whatever those roadblocks are in your life i'm here to help all we need to do is start the process and i just think that because of that it's just fabulous so knowing that you've had 4000 trainers um i know that you have a website 
um, is that the best way for people to receive your training by going to your website? If if you would like to do what I do and train in my method, and you'll certainly be able to do what I do because it's what we call a formula for success. If you go to rtt.com, you can find out how to train in it or indeed how to find someone in your area that is deeply skilled at doing what I do. If you would like to get some free products on wealth blocks or love blocks or health blocks, go to marissathea.com and we give away tons of audios. We love doing that. And if you want to find out how to be enough, then go to imenough.com. So we have three different websites. It's a lot, but there are ones who want to be therapists or find a therapist, ones who want free stuff, and ones who want to really go more into how can I put I'm enough into my life and how can I have it change my life. Perfect. And uh, Marissa, I will make certain that all of those links um, are in my follow-up so that people that are listening and maybe driving in the car going, shoot, what did she say? I'll make certain that, that I'm able to to um, link those those uh, resources for everybody. So, you Thank know, you, you mentioned, oh, you're so welcome. You mentioned the police officer, and I know that there are plenty of stories because I don't know, is there that typical person that you have found that just gravitates to wanting to, to take this training and share it. Is there that typical person or there is no typical person? No, there's no typical person. Half the people that do our training are existing therapists or counselors or doctors or nurses. The other half have got no therapy background whatsoever, which, by the way, is not required to train with us. The other half are maybe hairdressers or single moms or retirees or maybe a city worker um, as long as you like people, we can train you. And many people that train with us, for instance, there's a lovely girl called Sophia who was suicidally depressed, and she found an RTT therapist two years ago who just changed her life. And she said, I came, woke up and said, I've got to do this. I've got to learn this. And she literally got on a plane. I was teaching in New York. My course was totally sold out, but she stood out and said, you've got to let me in. I have to do this. I know so many people in my support group who were depressed like I was, so we, we let her in. And she's become one of my dearest trainers. And she's an amazing girl. And many people that we train have had RCT and said, wow, this is this is therapy on steroids. This is like a whole new ball game. And it is because when you train in RTT, you first become rather like a detective. We call it being a detective. A detective gathers information, goes, oh, look at that. If I look at that, I can understand what happened. And that's exactly what our therapists do. And then the second job you have is to be rather like a dentist and extract all that toxic matter from people's thinking. And then finally become a coder and you start to code in and wire in and fire in much better beliefs. And in order to do that, you simply have to have an understanding of the mind. And again, the mind isn't complicated at all. Your mind listens to what you say, and every word you say is a blueprint that your mind must act on. So, for instance, if you have a weird stepfather that looks at you in a sexual way and you're eight years old, you'll think a thought, I don't want him to look at me like that, and I've got to stop that. And for your mind, that is an absolute command. I must find a way of stopping people looking at your body in a sexual way because you're just a little kid. And usually the fastest way to do that is to become obese or maybe to get eczema or dermatitis. Um, it, it's fascinating what happens. Um, and often people come in with almost the same experience but a different reaction. And I noticed that when I worked with a girl who was anorexic. And anorexia, people would have you believe, is incredibly hard to fix. But it's not hard. So I asked her what was going on when she got it, and she told me straight away that when she was a little girl, about 11, she opened the door to her father's study, and he was watching porn, and she was so shocked. She thought, I thought, I never want anyone to look at me like that. Mm. But because when you have a scared child, it's what's called an imprint. They think a thought that's very powerful. It's like, oh, my God, dogs bite you, cats scratch you. Um, elevators are scary. Once you have that imprint with a scared child, it goes in. And so because she had a thought, I don't want any man to ever look at my body like that, being anorexic meant they never did. 
because she never developed. When you don't eat, the ovaries don't develop. Puberty doesn't really begin. But then I worked with another girl who said, you know, it's so interesting. I heard you telling that story on stage or on YouTube. And my dad used to talk about women like I look at her in those tight clothes. He used to talk about my mum like that because it was, oh, she's asking for it dressed like that. And I remember thinking I couldn't bear it. I never mm-hmm. want my husband to talk about me. And, she was, and I became obese. And my husband's never sexually objectified me because I made myself so unattractive. So that was fascinating. Two girls with a very, very similar event, but a different interpretation. One stopped eating, one couldn't stop eating. Because events don't affect you with the meaning you attach to them does. But the insight is to go back and say, wow, did I somehow create this? I mean, nobody deliberately creates illness ever. But if the mind thinks, you know, your dad expects you to be a grade-A student, you go, this is killing me. The pressure at school is killing me. What my dad expects is killing me. Your mind goes, I can't possibly have you killed. My job is to keep you alive. How about chronic migraines or irritable bowel or sensitive skin? You know, I worked with somebody who couldn't leave the house because she was hypersensitive to light. Turned out she was bullied as a child. Guess what she said to her mind? I just want to stay at home all the time and never leave. And a few years later, she developed this hypersensitive to UV, and she couldn't leave the house. She was condemned to be in the house. Quite useful when you're 11 and kids are pulling your hair and kicking you, but of no use at all when you're 32. Would like to go out and shop and meet friends for lunch and perhaps go on a date. But that's the problem with the mind, that when it locks onto something useful, it never really realizes when it's no longer useful. It just keeps it going. When your when you're, um, trained therapists get together with their clients, is it always face-to-face? No, no, no. We do a lot of Skype. You know, I was talking before about in Japan, People mm-hmm. see it as a weakness to go to therapy. So we have a lot of therapists who do Skype therapy, Zoom therapy. I'm doing a session with someone in India. It'll be WhatsApp therapy. So it's very, very effective to do it online. And again, that's so useful because it's that same thing. of You know, I've got to go to therapy. For some people, that's an hour commute and it just mm-hmm. takes too much out of their day. Being able to do it in the comfort of your own home is a wonderful thing. And I've worked with many people, even I worked with somebody who was in a terrorist attack in Paris, and I did his entire session on Skype, and it was amazing. You know, it's it's interesting because I'm thinking about the different scenarios, and if you're agoraphobic and you're not going to go out of your house anyway, um, exactly. then you're, you're, you're stuck, you're in a box, and you can't even get out of the box. And... Um, Boy, being willing and able to trust, um, you know, I would imagine is enormous. And once you have established that trust, um, I can see where by using this, I love this. I love, I love the name of your method. I think that, you know, for me, words really matter. And to say rapid. Meaning it's it's we're not you're not going to be with me for five years doing this. It just to say it's trans, transformative means we're going to make a change, and it just and put therapy to to the word. You know, I just I think that's so brilliant and so effective, and it says so much. And I can see why you speak all over the world. I don't know how you manage your schedule, but it is really, really remarkable. But that's just one of the things that you do. And I would really like to spend some time talking about your books. And I know that you've just recently released your your fifth book, which is I Am Enough. And it's really interesting, three words. And it can be said so differently, I am enough. I am enough. I am enough. You could put the emphasis on all three of those words, and in some ways it almost has a different sound to it, and maybe depending upon where you are in your life may be the way you hear yourself say that. And so what I'm curious to know about is 
So that's the title of your book, I'm Enough. But what came first, the title or the content? Um, you know, that's a very interesting question. I think the content came first, that I'd see so many people in my office who'd come in and go, you know, I go, I'm shoplifting, I don't know why I do that, and I'm really mean to my husband, I scream at my kid, and then I go home and with the best of intention, I'm eating a whole packet of taco chips. And I go, you know what, all of these issues, they're like branches of a tree. The only thing that's wrong with you is you don't think you're enough. But, you know, why would we, when we pick up magazines and go, okay, if you're enough, you've got to have thin thighs and fat hair. But I've got fat thighs and thin hair, so that means I'm not <laughs> enough. And that's what we hear all the time. You've got to look like that and be like that. And so um, it, it was very interesting for me. And also people would say, you know, I, I walk around that going, I'm a goddess, I'm a goddess, I'm a goddess. And my mind goes, you're not a goddess. You buy your stuff from Target. Who are you trying to kid? Or I play that song from Shrek, hey, I'm a rock star. My mind goes, Come on, you're not a rock star. You haven't even got a car. How can you be a rock star? And the mind will object to things that we say that are really not true. The beauty about I'm enough is that its strength really is its simplicity. It is true. You were born enough. No baby says, don't look at me. I've got triple knees or I haven't got any teeth or I've just thrown up all over my lovely um, T-shirt. They have no idea they're not enough. We can install that in children very quickly, but the great news is you're not born with that. And so it, it was very easy to recognize that it, its simplicity and its honesty is what makes it so effective, followed by the fact that the mind works by repetition. So I always invite my clients to put it on their screensaver, to write it on their cushions, to put it on on their phone alerts. And one of my clients said, you know, I've had it stamped on my children's pillows. It's the first thing, the last thing they see every day. And they say it every day. And it's just made such a difference to them. Because trying to say I'm a rock star, I'm a movie star, I'm a supermodel, I'm a goddess, you, 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 you object to that because you know that really you're not a supermodel. But then a lot of supermodels are miserable. But when you say I'm enough, you won't object to that because it's so innately and fundamentally true. And, of course, also when you know that you're enough, the lovely thing is you begin to know that, oh, well, everyone else is enough too. And when you know you're enough, you give the whole world permission to join you in knowing that you're enough. And it, all the schools we're doing it with find that bullying is just so minimalized when they get into the enoughness of themselves and other people too. Yeah, you, I I like your book cover. Um, you, one Thank of the things you. that you didn't mention that that I thought was that you mentioned on your um, meditation is sometimes you want to just write it on your mirror. If you're looking in the mirror and you're saying, "Oh God, how did I get all these wrinkles? Oh my God, my hair looks awful today. Oh my God, I, th- this isn't going to work. I can't. I'm not. I, no, I, I'm not going to go out today. If anybody sees me at the market, I'll be horrified. And if you if you look at that message to yourself that says I am enough, and you believe it, it's one thing to write it. It's another thing to internalize it and to believe it, and honestly to share it. Because I have found that that's what I've done since I was preparing for this show, is I have said to people that I know, I'm involved in a lot of organizations, volunteer stuff, nonprofit stuff, besides just what I do here on my radio show. And I have repeated that to people saying, have you ever thought about just really saying in your daily meditation, if you're doing some deep breathing, to just close your eyes and just say, I am enough. I I just, I think it's brilliant. I, I, I just, how, so, you know, it popped up on my phone because you and I are connected because we are. Social media is part of what we need. If somebody wanted to listen to that self-directed that, that directed, um, meditation, is that where they would go? Because I think I – do they go to I'm enough.com to hear that? 
Yes, I, I'm enough.com, and they can also follow me on Instagram. And right. on Instagram, we're putting up completely free meditations every week. Um, we That's have where I thought. We meditate with Marissa, and we're doing. I think we're releasing I'm Enough this weekend. It's absolutely free. There's no charge at all. We're so excited to get this I'm Enough movement global. And, Wonderful. Um, yeah, you can find it everywhere. You can, and you know something, Marissa, that is where I saw it, and that is where I played it. It was off of your Instagram. I just put it on the bed. I just took some time to just listen to your words and, and, and repeating, and it was, I thought it was brilliant. So I just want to thank you for that because that, that is where I saw it. I did see it on Instagram. Um, you have... You have a great group of people that really get your information out there because you are you are a, a global superstar in my opinion. You don't have to wear that crown, but I'm I'm just giving it to you. Um, let me ask you something else. If if someone was having a fundamental conversation that we could have be having with ourselves to remind ourselves that we are enough, because sometimes my daughter will say to me, Mom. Stop being so self-critical. Or, Mom, why do you catastrophize everything? You know, not not to judge me, but just to help me recognize. Did you did do you hear yourself doing that? If if you wouldn't say that was really stupid, Julie, if you would never say that to me, why in the world would you say that was really stupid, Marcia? Why would you treat yourself less than you treat others? I, sometimes we learn some of our greatest lessons from our children. I, I, I swear to you, it's just that has really stuck with me. And so when I hear people say something negative about themselves, honestly, I say that to them. Would you say that to your friend or your daughter or your whomever? Then, then don't say that to yourself. You deserve more. And, um, you know, I, I don't know. I think that's in just keeping with your whole philosophy of um, – I am enough. I just feel like that's just part of that. So when when we have these fundamental conversations with ourselves, what what would you recommend that that conversation sound like? Well, you know, again, it's about how would you talk to your best friend? Would you if you wake up and go, oh, God, look at me, oh my God, my hair, I just got a skirt, got a stain in it, I look terrible. Then go down and go, oh, I didn't buy any healthy food, now I've got to eat rubbish, I'm useless, and then get in the car and go, I haven't charge the phone, I'm such an idiot and I haven't planned out the route, I'm just stupid. Mm-hmm. If, if you would never talk to your best friend like that, why would you mm-hmm. talk to yourself like that? You have to be your own best friend and recognize that praise, there is nothing, by the way, that will boost your self-esteem like praise and self-praise boosts your self-esteem more than any other. So praise makes your spirit grow. Criticism withers it. And by the way, people who are happy always praise, and people who feel inadequate always criticize. And when you criticize yourself, you're showing the whole world that you feel unhappy. And when you go, I like myself, I'm a good person. You know, I work with really small kids who get bullied, and I tell them, darling, I know you want these girls at school to like you or this boy at school, but your job is not to make them like you. Your job is to make you like you. You must never imagine you have a sign on your forehead saying, please, please like me. That makes people not like you. When your sign says, I like me, if you want to like me too, that's great. And if you don't, well, that's okay because I like me enough to deal with that. And mm-hmm. so we we give our power away trying to go, could you like me? Could you praise me? Could you make me feel good? Or could you make me feel better and sometimes we go out into the world going I feel inadequate and worthless and unattractive I'm going to find someone I'm going to find someone who loves me and sometimes we find that person you know what happens if you give someone else the power to make you feel good you give them the power to make you feel bad when they leave or something happens or you just get bored mm-hmm. with each other but when you make yourself feel good it's a lifelong romance and you know we're all busy trying to find the perfect person to spend our life with the longest relationship you will ever have is with you no matter how (laughs) great your partner is you probably didn't didn't meet them for 30 years no matter how great your kids are 
if you were around for the first 25 years, you will have the longest relationship with yourself. And if you can fall in love with yourself, as cheesy as it sounds, then it's a lifelong romance that never bores you. No waxing or 600 sit-ups are required. And it's very easy to fall in love with yourself. How do you do it? I can hear you saying, well, you praise yourself. You don't even go, hey, there you are. You are a nice person. You're a good person. You've got a good heart. And and one of the best ways to feel good is to think, okay, if I'd had a nice dad, a, a praise, a mother who praised me, a teacher who believed me, what would they have said? Well, take a minute now. What would an amazing father, a loving mother, a kind parent or grandparent or sibling have said to you? When you know what it is, say it to yourself. You are a great kid. How lucky am I to have you? Having you best thing that ever happened because your mind doesn't go oh come on you're saying it because your mind and and really let this in does not care if what you tell it is true or false right or wrong healthy or anything it sinks in the same way when you put chapstick on dry lips it, your mind doesn't go is that fair trade is that organic it just lets <laughs> it in when our, when our skin is dry we nourish ourselves with ointment and when your soul is dry, you need to nourish it with words. And don't wait for other people to fill in that missing bit. Do it yourself. I still do that. When I wrote my first book, I said, this book is amazing. This book is phenomenal. Because it's the only way I could complete it without being terrified it would be rejected was by thinking what I wanted to publish to say, what I wanted an agent, what I wanted readers who were buying my book to say. And I said it over and over again. And it did become a bestseller. When I read it, I thought, oh, actually, it's not as good as I thought it was. I can really tell <laughs> in the first three chapters I'd never written a book before in my life. But nobody knew that because I didn't mm-hmm. give someone else the power to believe in my book. I had to believe in it first. And if you can't believe in you, how can someone else believe in you? you know, and that's, that's what it's so... all about. I, I... You, I, I could just spend the day with you in conversation. Um, my, I, I, it's, a, it's, a, it's interesting the messages you remember, and you just brought it up. It bubbled up, and I remember my mother saying to me. Now, this was obviously a very, very long time ago. I was probably. 12 or 13 years old and thinking boys were kind of cool, you know, and like, oh, but no boys are going to like me. I look at my teeth, look at my hair, look at, you know, whatever. And she said to me, and I've never forgotten this, you can't expect anybody to love you of yourself. And I thought, whoa, that was pretty powerful. And I've never forgotten that. And when I talk to women that you know, I'm I'm considerably older than you. When I talk to women that say, you know, how how did you do it, Marsha? I mean, you and Butch were together all. The, I was 19. Um, you know, he was 62 when he passed, Marissa. And it's like, how did you how did you do it? And I said, you know something? There's a couple of things I would say to anyone that was wanting to hear my story, man or woman. If you make your significant other, whether it's a spouse or you're not married, whatever, if you make that significant other your everything and you see that, oh, he's my everything, oh, she's my everything. Now, I realize they're just words. However, if you believe that and your everything everything dies, then what are you left with? Nothing? You have nothing? You are nothing. You are only a Mrs. or you are only a Mr. And you and and what you you are nothing. And honestly, I don't know how I was able to come up with that so quickly, but I think that was just because of the man that I was married to. He was he lived like that. I he 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 was easy to live with. There was no arguments. What he he it's adapt. It is what it is. So when he died, I thought, you know, the missus of me is no longer a missus. The Marsha in me was the Marsha I was as a child, the Marsha I was as a wife, the Marsha I am as a mom, 
as a community leader, as a person that's engaged and involved, and that did not go away. And I, I think it's a really important thing for people to understand about themselves if if perhaps they find themselves in a situation like that. Now, clearly, I am not the therapist, nor do I profess to be the therapist. But because I made a major life change, you know I wouldn't be doing a, a talk radio show if my husband was alive. We'd probably be taking a riverboat cruising on the Danube right now. You know, I wouldn't be doing this. But... Um, sometimes we really do have to adjust. And for people that have trouble adjusting, how wonderful is it to know that there are all of these people out there have been trained, or perhaps you want to be trained yourself to, to give this gift back. And I think that that's, that's what's just so fabulous about you. And I would be curious to know this about you because of the lifestyle that you that you live. And that is, how do you keep yourself in balance? Because it's something I struggle with. So, how do you do that between your writing and your speak? Excuse me, and your speaking and your traveling. Where do you go? How do you balance yourself? Well, first of all, I'm a great believer that when you do what you love, you never work a day in your life. So, I never see myself having to work hard. I never go, "Oh my God, it's so hard. It's such hard work." I feel mm-hmm. infinitely blessed that I do what I love and I love what I do. And I'm very lucky because, you know, in all, whenever you're an RTT therapist, it's one of the absolute joys. You're your own boss. I can take off a day whenever I want to. And many of our trainers are single parents. Again, the joy of this, aside from making change people's lives, which has actually changed mine, is that I work my own hours. So while I do teach and I do lecture and I do write books, I have an amazing team behind me, my husband, my sister, my staff, extraordinary. But I'm also very good at taking time off. I recognize that just like a battery, you have to recharge. And I'm really mm-hmm. good at recharging. I'm really good at saying, no, I don't really want to go out for dinner. We'll go, but we're leaving at 10. I, I, I stopped being a people pleaser long ago and realized that you have to please yourself and until you can say no every yes is not really a yes so I take a lot of time for me I I take a lot of time to just recharge I mean I live on a beautiful canal I paddleboard most days do a bit of yoga or just I just read the paper watch you know working my way through the crown and when I'm lying there watch I think this is like heaven because that's the other thing I do, which is amazing, which is to practice gratitude. A couple of weeks ago, I was sitting on the sofa with a cup of tea watching the crowd. I thought, this is heaven. I'm just in heaven because it was something so simple. And if you can teach your mind, every time you get in the shower, oh, my God, this grapefruit shower gel is amazing. This first cup of coffee in the morning is sensational. My sheets are amazing. If you do that. Um, mm-hmm. what you're doing is you're getting so much pleasure in the simplest thing and then big things become amazing. And so it's really important to practice use gratitude because it really is the best vibration for everyone. And um, that, that makes a difference. I never go on my life as hell. I always think I'm so lucky, even you know, occasionally my husband and I irritate each other, but I always take a minute and think, <laughs> what would my life like be without him? Occasionally my child um you know, we have three grown-up children. They're, they're very inclined to sometimes be rather frustrating. But I always think of my life without them. And having been, you know, all over the world, to Cuba, to Mexico, to Jamaica, to Africa, you realize very quickly your problem is someone else's fantasy dream come true. And also you think, what would I have given 10 years if my husband leaves his underpants on or my kids, you know, Eat, drinks all the milk and doesn't put and doesn't or uses all the toilet or never replaces it. Leaves um, all the doors open. But then, what would you have given ten years ago for that problem? And if you can think about that, you know, what would I have given ten years ago to be a best-selling author, to be asked to speak on stage? I'd have given everything. It would have been my fantasy dream come true, and now it is. So the big thing to do is not to complain about it. Don't bitch. Don't complain. Don't moan. Realize how mm-hmm. lucky you are, and um, mm-hmm. that makes all the difference in the world. I've 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 gotten the gratitude by by practicing the yoga, 
by breathing as you suggest, by being mindful, by being less judgmental. Because if you're going to judge yourself, does that mean you're judging everybody else? So when they of say course. in yoga, of course. of course it does. So And I didn't mean that. To like, of course you wouldn't know that. But if, I, I meant of course it does. And so if you can exactly. hear that again and again in your yoga practice, and I love the term practice, yoga, usually there's a comma after yoga, my yoga practice, because you don't ever, you, you, it's like the piano, you, you practice it, it's like your gratitude, you practice it, and then it becomes part of your everyday experience. I don't get out of bed without expressing my gratefulness, and I don't go to sleep at night without expressing my gratefulness, and I, and I say it out loud, I, I, I'm comfortable actually hearing those words. You can say it in your mind. Everybody can do it their own way. I'm not here to tell anybody how they need to do it. Um, but I, I do practice it. And I want to ask you one quick question before we, we go, because I know our hour is coming to an end. Do you journal? Do you recommend journaling for people? I do. I mean, I don't do that only because I'm always writing. So for me, Writing yes. is what's something I see as work. So I, mm-hmm. I, I do sometimes write little notes. I have a little notebook. I'm always writing notes to myself. And uh-huh. I certainly have a mood board above my bed or a vision board, and I love that. And I've written on it things like this book is a bestseller. But I don't do a lot of journaling, not because I don't believe in it, but I think, you know, I'm mm-hmm. so lucky I have such a charmed life. So uh, I can see why it works, but. I don't mm-hmm. do that, but I do lots of visualizing and focusing. Mm-hmm. And the biggest thing for me is done. I'm It's a good thing to do. You you you, you faded sorry. out. The great the 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 greatest um, thing for you. Did you say dial back? Is that what you said? It, no, it's a dialogue with your mind. So I could write in a journal. I want this, and I want this, and I require that. But I tell my mind, Hey, mind, what I want today, what I am insist on and require today is to have phenomenal energy, to go and give that speech, to be word perfect, and to be wide awake. Hey, mind, what I need today or insist on and require today is to have fantastic digestion, or maybe I'm going to wait three hours to go home where I've got better food and eat these horrible snacks that are, that are available. So I don't mm-hmm. write it in a book. I dialogue with myself all the time. My mind works for me I don't work but I tell it what I want and if I tell it what I want it's amazing at responding and you know even if I've got a cold I said okay this is going to be gone in 24 hours work this right out of my system when I had the menopause I told my mind I want to be in and out of this in two weeks and I really have no symptoms at all People think, but mm-hmm. isn't that weird? Not really. We all talk to ourselves. And I'm going to get cold now because I'm out in the rain. I'm going to get sick because that chicken, I didn't realize I finished it wasn't cooked properly. I'm going to get fat because I ate too many cakes. And, you know, you're, you're really telling your mind what you want anyway. So tell it a different thing. And I, you can write it in a journal, but I find talking to your mind, mm-hmm. telling it what you want, and all you have to do is use relevant, detailed, exciting, must be exciting, up-to-date words. Like when you were a kid, you said, I want to be fat. Nobody will expect anything of me. Didn't know you said that. I, I don't want to get pregnant because my dad will kill me. And now all these mm-hmm. years later, you're still acting on what you told yourself. This thing, okay, there was a time when I was 15 that I was pregnant. It was absolutely terror time. But now I'm 32 I've got a husband my parents adore. They will be elated to be grandparents. I'm ready to make a perfect baby. Because even though people go, I want to be pregnant, I'm like, no, you don't want to. You've been pregnant four times. There's no baby. Don't Mm -hmm. say, I want to be pregnant. Say, I want to conceive, carry, and make a perfect, robust, healthy baby. Don't say, I'll do this if it kills me. I'll do this as the last thing I do. Don't use these silly expressions. This workload is killing me. I'm dying under my paperwork. Oh, my God, the pressure. This client makes me want to die. Because your mind is going to take everything that says literal. It's the blueprint. Whatever you say is a blueprint that your mind and body must. They have no choice. Work to make your reality. Wow. What a wonderful way. What wonderful advice. 
that you have shared um, in this afternoon on these Mondays that means so much to me in my life. And I am very grateful for the time that you've spent with me, for the information that you've shared. I feel like I just had my own personal therapy session with you on many levels, and it, it feels good. And I hope that everyone else that's been listening will feel the same way. I'll make sure that this information is available for people that are listening. And I just I want to thank you so much for your generosity, but for just being you. And, and, and I am enough, and I believe that you are also enough, Marissa. This has just been a delight. I appreciate it. Well, thank you so much for inviting me. I've had a wonderful time too, and I can't wait to see a lot of people at Expo. You can come up and chat. I'll sign books. I'll have photographs taken. I'll be there all day because I love my audience, and I'll very much be there for you. Terrific. Well, until next time, everybody, because I will be back here next week with my guest, Robert Stupak. Uh, he is an art aficionado, and he has a patent for anti-forgery technique that he used to crack the code on a Norman Rockwell painting since 1942. He has an interesting life story, and he'll be joining me next week. So this week, hug the one you're with. Start with yourself. Give yourself a a tight hug. And have a wonderful week, everybody. And I'll be joining, I'll have you join me again next week. Bye for now.